pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From Bubba's 33, Rock 101 Sports presents the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame. Starring Pete Christie, Jared Johnson, Sean Dillon, and host of the Rockin' Pregame, Jeff Scott. But you can tell we've got a lot of guys that can score. And it's like, how do we involve everybody? And the better we involve, the better we'll be. There you go. Uh, basketball talk. Man, we'll get into some of that today. Now that uh, just a bowl game away from the ending of the uh, football season, which went by so incredibly fast, I can't yeah. even believe it. But uh, we're at Bubba's 33 today. We're on the uh, on the patio. Come out and join us for lunch today. Well, coming up on the on the uh, Rock and Pregame show today, the transfer portal is open for business. So uh, where do the Ra- Red Raiders need to focus on for the portal? Plus, we'll discuss Red Raider and Lady, Ra- Lady Raider basketball after their first real competition of the year. We'll be unveiling the first Rockin' 25 college basketball poll of the year with Eric Haslam and Michael Hunter and the Rockin' predictions for conference championship games and a lot more. That's just scratching the surface. There's so much more. But first, what is the Rockin' pregame without our Rockin' reality check? Checking the pulse of Red Raider Nation with our Rockin' reality check. All right, Pete, you're being all nice and polite over there. Why don't you start it off there? What's your rock and reality check? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really sure this week. You know, yeah. we, we, there's no tech football. We're awaiting the bowl game. Am I excited? They might play Georgia Southern or South Florida yeah. or some other directional school. No. Uh, I would be excited if they play undefeated Liberty, which I see as a possibility. Cal, another 6-6 six and six team? I don't know. Uh, I just hope they play someone where uh, they, they fight for a win, and it's a team that uh, we'd be excited about. I mean, if you beat Georgia Southern or you lose to them, that just makes it worse. Yeah, I so, agree. Uh, but we'll find out Sunday. I mean, whether it's uh, Independence Bowl, which would be two weeks from tomorrow, or... Uh, uh, Armed Forces Bowl, the 23rd, First Responders Bowl, the 26th. I think those three bowls are the, the probable choices, but uh, you know, we'll see who, what, when, and where on Sunday. So uh, basketball, man, a tough loss yesterday to Butler. Uh, man, the, the team battled back, and uh, uh, man, Chance McMillan was on fire yesterday. Eight threes, and so uh, five and two back home next Wednesday. We'll see. And Lady Raiders, uh, eight and oh, uh, super excited to see them. Uh, the last three games battle back from uh, deficits and, and get the win. So, you know, we're, we're kind of getting into that transition from uh, football to basketball and even getting ready for a little baseball because, Jan- I mean, today is December 1st, but January 1st is around here before you know it. So, uh, quiet, but. Uh, anticipating some good things coming for Texas Tech. All right. Jared. You already saying Happy New Year? 
<laughs> it wasn't you when you said Happy New Year through like right. February or something. Yeah, like yeah. How long were you, are you supposed to say? <laughs> right. yeah. I thought it was you February first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this guy likes New Year's. Well, I want to party with you yeah. New Year's Eve or something. Happy right. Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah, indeed, Tom. Happy Turkey Day. Uh, man, there is so much to go over. I'm, I feel like uh, pulled in a million different directions because you still have the football team and unpacking the bittersweet kind of November that was where they won three in a row and then they got absolutely embarrassed, just pantsed, murked. I, I, I forgot myself. You know, I like, forgot about that. Uh, in Austin, <laughs> uh, you could not have written a better script for UT or yeah. a worse script for Texas Tech in that scenario. Uh, so, man, what a bittersweet November where you got bowl eligible, you uh, secured a winning record in the Big 12 for the second year in a row. Uh, all, you know, you actually accomplished some nice things, but you're left thinking, man, what a disappointing season uh, compared to preseason expectations. And then, of course, the way it ended. Basketball, uh, going into Atlantis, I was like, hmm, I was very lukewarm on the basketball team. And then they're down 15 points to Northern Iowa in the second half. And you're like, man, this is going to be a long season already. <laughs> and then they come back. And then they just crush Michigan, just really handcuff them the next day. And you're like, okay. And then they go to Butler. Butler doesn't lose at home when I mean, they don't. At Hinkle Fieldhouse, the historic Hinkle Fieldhouse there. Uh, and Thad Mott is a great coach. I mean, look what he did at oh, Ohio yeah. State and everything. You know, And then Xavier, too. He took Xavier to Elite Eight back in the day. Uh, so it, but Tech... Again, it looked like uh, Butler was going to keep pulling away, but no, they kept fighting back. So what we have is a resilient team. I think it's going to be a different dude. You you mentioned Chance McMillan, Pete. Uh, You know, one day it might be him. One day it might be Pop. One day it might be uh, Joe uh, Toussaint. I I like it. I I like what I'm seeing from Grant McCaslin so far. Like, I feel better about this 2-2 stretch in Atlantis and Butler than I did at the 3-0 Homestand. That makes yeah, any sense. Yeah, and I just, no, I agree with you. I, I really do. They, I, I think, they're going to be competitive. Will they make the tournament? I don't know. Then you got the transfer portal, recruiting, all this, all, all this other stuff, which isn't new, but it's, uh, it's going to be a very busy December. You know, it's going to. Yeah, I'm, like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm loading up. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm ordering like cases of coffee from Amazon. You know, it's like, for me, even though it was a busy week, I'm like kind of just taking a deep breath, like, all right, here we go. It's, this is, it's going to get real. And we're going to talk about the transfer portal coming up, but already some big names from Texas Tech in, in the portal, and it's going to be interesting for sure. All right, yeah, we'll go over that. Who, who, will, who we know is in the portal already, and probably by Monday, floodgates really open, yeah, I think. Right. And we'll have all kinds of stuff happening, just I mean, nationwide. But uh, all right, yeah, you guys pretty much covered, uh, I think, most of my thoughts on the rock and reality check as well. And kind of the, the bowl game, Pete, I think, you know, it, it is, it's hard to get excited about it, I think. Yeah. I just look at it as like, well, you know, you got to a bowl game, so at least the momentum isn't totally killed. You got a, you got a bowl game, so that's okay. Get through it. Hopefully you win it, and then you just kind of move on to next year and start stacking up some of these recruiting classes and maybe pick up some guys in the portal and, you know, yeah. just come back and fight again next year. Basketball, I'm not. Uh, I'm, you know, I watched a little bit of the game yesterday, um, and, and you know, they, they got to, they show moments of where you think, okay, maybe so. I still think they're probably middle of the pack. Mm, oh, probably yeah. that's probably the oh, ceiling, yeah. but we'll see. You know, you don't know what you know McCaslin's capable of. Really, I mean, they're, they're, he may coach this team to you know heights that we're none of us are, are counting on. But as of today, the way it sets, December first, you know. I'm 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 content for the moment, so I would say that, Sean. What what's that? Are you excited about any of these conference championship games? Yeah, absolutely. 
College football, man. Yeah. I mean, Washington, Oregon tonight, right? You that's, got, a, that's a great that's game. That's a great right game, there, man. You know, yeah. I, you know, I was watching, I can't, I think it was uh, ESPN or something this morning, and they were talking about how many undefeated, potential undefeated conference champions there could be this year. And that's, I mean, that's different. I think there could be some real drama in terms of who gets in the playoffs and everything based on what happens in these conference championship games. And that's not always the case. Sometimes we know, like, oh, okay, even if Alabama loses, they're still going to go, and all, right, you know, that kind right. of thing, you know. But Georgia could lose to Alabama and not go, despite being two-time defending national champs and undefeated up until this point. Yeah. I think that that's the excitement that college football needs that sometimes yeah. is lacking this yeah. time of year. I just like when it's just the, these kind of matchups of just great teams playing against yeah. each other. You know, I just that's, – that's why I love college football, you know, and every game seems to matter, you know. That's, yeah. that's really cool, so – Hey, uh, just on a little, slightly different note here. I mean, you know, OSU is playing, uh, you know, Texas in the Big Twelve Championship game. Have you seen that story this morning? It's uh, it broke on social media about, I guess, somebody at OSU apparently killed a Longhorn, and it's it's late. It, it, I guess it was on the campus somewhere or something, and cool. yeah, and so they cops out there taking pictures, and I mean, they've they've cordoned <laughs> off the area. Scene. And, you know, and I'm sitting there, and then people start weighing in every fan base, and you know, oh, that's why, you know, OSU sucks, and that's why they're fans, and this and that. And I'm sitting there reading that going, you know, every single fan base is one idiot away from embarrassing your university, you know? And so I don't, I don't ever weigh in on those types of matters because, I mean, really, it just takes one person yeah. to do something, and then it paints the entire fan base as that, you know, as that person. And so... Killing Longhorn, I thought, well, it was kind of extreme. I, I, I don't know. They went to a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing. I wonder if it was that uh, chubby turkey leg guy. You know, the, the little kid <laughs> in the gift, that, the, the turkey leg where he's waving his arm, you know, to the fight zone? It's probably that kid. He's so into it. You know, like, uh, no, I, uh, that's, that's terrible. But, uh, you know, another terrible thought I had was like, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to share all these terrible thoughts. That's all right. Just how demented I am. Uh, edited a little bit, but. I mean, it's not cool that they killed a Longhorn. I mean, right. I, for the PETA folks, I get it and all that. But, I mean, how many cheeseburgers do we consume? You know what I mean? Part of me thinks it's kind of epic. And they're like, delicious, too. Let's yeah, they are it. delicious. Yeah. Steaks. And, I mean, yeah. come on. I, love, I mean, I, I love red meat. That's so, right. uh, you know, I, maybe if, if they gutted them and everything, did, did somebody eat them? Yeah. Hopefully good, good they, got, they, they got something out of it. Yeah, they didn't, something waste, it. Yeah, yeah, right, they didn't yeah. waste it. But I, to me, it, it seems kind of like it at least shows that they're into it. You know, in this... Era of every, I'm, I'm serious. I, in this era of like, I, I get so tired of people trying to show me how much they don't care. Like, congratulations, man, you don't care. You know how uninspiring that is to me. I get like that is what's so cool. Everybody try. I don't care. I don't care. I, you know, this 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 person clearly cares a lot right. to go through all that trouble. The only other thought was, we, you know, we were kind of talking about was, uh, you know, it wasn't Bebo. Right. But I'd, I probably would have more respect if they wouldn't get that Bebo instead of splayed in the middle of a still water. You know, that would be epic. That would be illegal. I'm not condoning right, that. Right. No, certainly not. For legal not. reasons, but that would be more, I mean, more street cred for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, 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 in a weird way, I totally understand what you're saying there, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I just thought, who... It, it, there had to have been alcohol involved at some point. You I know, don't maybe know. Can last you pull night. It, off? It, was, it was found in front of a fraternity house. Okay, well, yeah. There's alcohol That's involved. Probably, yeah. So, but, you know, you, you, just, you just know that there was a, you know, a few guys probably, hey, man, you know what we ought to do? We ought to go out and kill a longhorn. Yeah. Wow. Well, what if it was know? on somebody's ranch and it had already died? 
Ooh, and they just dragged it out. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Got, no, best case. But I know that about you. I'm sitting here I'm saying, you. man, I've been sitting next to Jared for eight years. <laughs> this dude's demented. I've never heard him talk like this. I never asked quick. anybody if they were warm for my form. Like, <laughs> that's a good point. I referred to myself as Frisky Pete. Yeah. But you know, it's. Uh, it's oh, gosh. Um, police but, say but that, that is a good, that police, is a good point. Yeah. Police say that the Longhorn's been dead for at least a day. Okay. Well, so they, they could. Okay. There you go, Pete. So, was he. When did they, when did they find him? This morning. This morning, yeah. At least a day. For, yeah. So, I mean. You got some detective work going on here. I know. These guys. That's what they got to waste their time on. But, you know, there's, there's uh, since college sports has been around, there's, you know, people doing stuff, stealing mascots, doing things. Right. We're talking off here about the thing at Auburn, this the historic tree or whatever. Yeah, that but, Alabama yeah. thing, he called into the radio show and, and like, basically professed. You know that he did it. Confessed that he did it. He went to jail. Didn't he? Uh, yeah, I hope yeah. so. That one was bad. There was this tree that what? had been there for seventy something years. Well, I don't remember the name of it. In the middle of the campus, and it's like whether you're into sports or not, it's like the tree. You know, right, yeah. right. And he poisoned it, man. Yeah, and then bragged about it. Confessed to it. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> Yeah, again. Hey, watch this, guys. It's tumor, yeah. it's tumor's oaks in Auburn. Okay. Okay, yeah. I see hey, another tree. thing, too, about the frat house and everything, they must have struck out with their dates. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I feel like a lot of trouble happens when it's like the girlfriend's not available or you don't have a girlfriend or whatever. You know, like guys are like, well, no girls. Well, I'm drunk. Let's, let's do something stupid. Come on. You know? Which is amazing. More of that doesn't happen with the Aggies. Oh, you know? but, oh, uh, oh. yeah. Well, they just get together and nah, I'm going to stop. I'm going to get kicked off the air. Boy, you got dark real quick. <laughs> well, two words. Well, you mentioned Male farm animals and A&M. You know? right, I'm just right. saying. I mean, I you know, it it's just what it know. is. <laughs> it is what it is. We don't make the rules. They, the rules are what they are, you know? Anyway, um, but now we'll uh, we'll continue. We'll have our uh, rock and pregame investigative team to stay on top of this uh, dead Longhorn story this morning. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, gosh, yeah. Does this does is this the kind of thing? Because you know, there's always bulletin board material. That, you know, and it's just like the Longhorns probably used you know all the Brett your mark, all the yeah. twelve runs through love, all that <laughs> oh, stuff. Man. That was all bulletin board material, and I think they really did use that. But, yeah, but is this the kind of thing? That, like you said, it's not like they killed Bevo. The if I was a player, Bevo. I wouldn't care at all. I mean, like, yeah, Sarkeesian, would they even t- look? They killed a representative Ooh. or a mascot. They killed a family member of Bevo. Are we oh. going to let this stand or not? I and mean, did, do they even care, do you think? Was it an Oklahoma Longhorn, too? I mean, it prob- I mean yeah, most well, likely, probably, right? Yeah, they probably got so, off a local place They didn't transfer it all the way from well, Texas. That's, that, I mean, that makes you sense. You don't know right? that, Pete. We don't. We don't. Know. Don't. We need to they transferred a dead Longhorn from Texas. It's from Austin. Is that's what crossing county line, state oh, lines. Federal, that's a big, yeah, that's a big so, deal. So it might have been an Oklahoma Longhorn, not a Texas Longhorn. But But I'm just wondering, you know. Know, right. if, if that even if that even comes up in like a team meeting today, gentlemen, we got a big game coming up here, and they have killed a family, a beloved family member. If I was in that member. locker room and a coach said that, I would just bust out laughing. <laughs> I couldn't be, be like, what are y'all saying? What y'all say about war from my form or Scoff. his oh, sources for uh, Carol Lights? Just wait till whatever. Wait till tonight. What if it was a Longhorn fan who wait did till it tonight to what? draw Break attention in? or make you know, make Oklahoma make State look bad? But then also. The fraternity wakes up like, what are we going to do with this thing? It's on our lawn. Right. They got to now. You know, that's the joke on them that they got to clean up the mess. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's a stupid story, but it one is. that one that definitely you, you you want to talk about it though, just because of all the the dumb angles to it. But uh, at anyway, least they we'll care. See. That's what I'm saying. At least they care. There yeah. you go. They care okay. enough to kill a Longhorn, right? Well, that's 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 certainly uh, that's it, it certainly fandom very, and devotion. Not be very smart if it, if it was that frat. They just left it on the front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! They, we we implicated up, ourselves. They wake up the next morning like, uh, guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh my gosh! Um, all right. Well, anyway, it's uh, you know. But I saw somebody. And I don't know who it was. It was somebody on social media who actually is a rancher, I think, in Oklahoma, and he actually had responded saying, "You'd be surprised how much these types of things happen with Longhorns involved because of the hatred for the Longhorns, well, you know, with, yeah. between the Sooners and the Cowboys, you know, and uh, that the that sometimes they're harmed." Just because of that, which I thought, oh, really, I, I didn't realize that was a an ongoing uh, issue. But I don't know; it's gone it Great, to the point. You like people in, shooting at them and stuff. Liberal you know, Austin, they're going to change their mascot to something, right? <laughs> you know, fictional, something plant, so they can't kill you. Know, right? Well, no, because then they'll, they'll poison the tree or whatever. No, that's know? right. Yeah, nothing's safe. All right. Well, when we uh, when we come back here. Uh, inside the Red Raiders recruiting, we've got uh, some transfer portal talk. That is, uh, that's all the excitement this time of year when you know you got guys leaving your team, and that's a, that's always a downer. But then you got guys joining your team, and that's always exciting. So uh, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. So uh, we'll get to the bottom of all that coming up next year. Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame. We're at Bubba's thirty three today on Rock one hundred one point one. Inside the Red Raiders football recruiting with 24-7 Sports, Jared Johnson. All right, we're going to spend the next uh, 20 minutes or 25 minutes or so talking about recruiting here. Uh, but we're going to start off in this segment <laughs> Let's with, go. Uh, yeah, the, with uh, the, the transfer portal. You know, we mentioned it earlier. This is the, this is the time of year where, you know, you, you have guys that, that uh, are leaving and it's all like, oh, man. And then you got guys that are joining the team. And you're like, oh, wow. So it's just it's it was the best of times and the worst of times. Mm-hmm. But uh, transfer portal though, uh, it's already I guess Tech has already had some guys that have Announced. entered. And for anybody who has been you know busy uh, living life and earning a living or something and missed some of it, who has entered so far for Tech? Yeah, well, I just want to point out that just technically you're right, but technically, uh, unless your coach has been fired or left, you can't if you're a Division One player, you can't officially enter the transfer portal until it opens. On December fourth. That's Monday, I, right? Yes. Yeah. Which you mentioned before. So I yeah. know you're aware. I just people listen. Yeah. No. You know, they, no. That's right. That's when the floodgates really open right. officially. Is Monday, right? But a lot are already announcing, yeah. including Texas Tech players. Tyler Shuck, which we all knew was gonna was gonna happen. Um, he announced what a week or so ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Miles Price, which is to me was the biggest surprise. I did not hear anything about that. I did not see that coming. Um, you know, he was one of your leading receivers, your punt returner. You know, Taj Brooks even tweeted him, go get that money. So it looks like that's what he's going to do is go. I mean, which, you know. Good luck. I mean, you know, you'd be surprised. I guess. I, you know, I mean, somebody look at his production early. I bet he gets. He gets why, why they look at how many passes he dropped this year? I mean, that, that <laughs> well, is I mean, also you know, a valid fair. point. No, that yeah. is also a valid point. And that brings me to the next guy who announced today is Duran Bradley. Is somebody we also I've been mentioning for weeks. Watch out. You know, Bradley will probably be in the transfer portal. Um, you know, he was going to go to Oklahoma last year, and I don't remember exactly the mechanisms or how they got Bradley to stay, but he, he was going to follow Emmett Jones to Oklahoma last year, but he didn't. And then 
Um, I don't know if he's going to Oklahoma or not. See, because, you know, they're, they're pretty loaded at wide receiver right now. And so, you know, who knows? If... Bradley, the thing with him is he, has, he really does have so much potential. I mean, he had a yeah. good game against Oklahoma two years ago. He had those big catches against Kansas. I mean, I mean, he was a hero in that game. But then he was also a zero in so many games this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be honest. He was, you know. I mean, yep. there were many times, I believe, even in the Wyoming game, I mentioned on the show and on Inside the Red Raiders that – the difference in that game, the reason why Wyoming won wasn't because of altitude or the weather delay or yada, yada. It was because Wyoming played harder. And one piece of evidence of that was a couple of defensive backs diving for a ball that was poorly thrown that Bradley just gave up on. But those yeah. guys literally ran into each other trying to dive to get it. And I thought that was uh, symbolic of the, the difference in effort that, right, that game. Yeah. And we, unfortunately... We saw that from Bradley a lot. He'd give up on poorly thrown passes or routes. And then, like, even against uh, Texas, there was a jump ball that where a much smaller DB was able to pull it away from him. And then late, there was one where he got outbodied by a smaller DB, which, I, you know, I was just very disappointed in Bradley's performance this year. Not because of the offense, not because of the quarterbacks, because of him. And I, I, I think highly of him. I think he could play in the league. I think he has that kind of potential. But we didn't see that this year. So... Yeah, he's going to work a lot harder probably to if he really has aspirations for that. But he's not going to the league based on what he put on film this right. year. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, so maybe I, I don't know exactly why he's going, but uh, you know, I I think there'll be a market for Bradley too because of that potential. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do. Well, he does have the. I mean, you, you, on paper, I mean, gosh, the guy's got size, and I mean, yeah. you know, he's got all the things you look for in a nice wide receiver and in a new home. Maybe he'll be. Maybe he'll be better. I don't know, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where he lands. And then Matt Keeler is another guy. Are we going to say something? I was just going to say, I was going to bring up Shuck. Where where do you think he might go? I mean, after three years of injuries, uh, to get back out there and and try again somewhere new. UCF is who who I hear. Go play with Gus Malzahn. Yeah, I've I've seen that several times. Which, dang. You know, I mean, I don't know how Tech many doesn't more. play him next year. Uh, well, how many years of <laughs> eligibility does Chuck have? He may have to. You know, I'm not even be, like being sarcastic. Yeah. He might have to because all the medical red shirts and all right, that stuff. Like, yeah. This guy just, he's going to play forever and call his ball, you know. But, uh, you know, I know he wants to go to the league. He wanted to go to the league before this past season. And his draft grade, his draft grades were, you know, were high. And so, you know, he came back to try, well, for one, to play with Tech. And he's close with the coaching staff and all that. Um, and, and several players, uh, in, including Bradley, you know? I mean, they're, they're pretty tight. So, uh, and we had Sir Roderick on, you know? I mean, Tyler Shuck was a very popular guy yeah. in, in that locker room. Um, but it was time to move on. Uh, as I mentioned last week, Tech was ready to move on to the Baron Morton era. And also, I mean, Shuck probably is ready to go somewhere. Maybe he won't get hurt. Right, You yeah. know, which so I'm not just blaming Tech. But I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I said that somewhere else, and people were like, oh, well, it was on scrambles. Well, why was he scrambling? You know, to get away from the rush, probably. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was, you don't have to just be hit in the pocket like uh, Joe Theismann by LT for it to be your (laughs) offensive line. Right. right. So, anyways, um, Landon Peterson's another guy I knew was coming because I couldn't, it didn't make sense. He started, what, like eight games last year? And he won a lot of Big 12 games. And I thought he played, like, he wasn't a dominant offensive guard, but he was good. And he did not, like, no matter who went down, Cole Spencer went down the starting left guard, and they put in Jacoby Jackson, which I think was the right move. Um, J- Jacoby gets hurt a little bit, or somebody else got hurt, and they put in Tyler Buchanan, a tackle at guard, instead of him. And that's when I was like, Landon Peterson's gone. 
Yeah. You know, because he was a pretty highly rated recruit. There was a lot of guys that were after him. I mean, he has played well in Big 12 games. Somebody's going to want him. So that's what we're seeing is uh, the guys who, who performed under expectations but still have some value in the market, a la Price and Bradley, who may not like the system, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, hard right, to argue yeah. with them. You know what I mean? This was the worst. We've said how many times this is the worst passing attack Texas Tech has had in this century, right. at least. You know, So um, I get it. And the quarterback's gone. And then you got Matt Keeler, another guy. I mean, I, he was a depth piece, so it's not that big of a loss or anything. All right, so that's that's who we that's so far announced. has has announced. Yeah. But by Monday, when it's officially open, mm-hmm. and that's when you're going to see hundreds well, of guys probably across the country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thousands, oh, possibly. Thousands. Right. It, like literally, like twenty four seven sports did a really cool thing where they uh, they polled all these staffers, these recruiting staffers and assistant coaches from around the country, and it was anonymous. And basically, the consensus is, is prepare. For Prepare your butts. Yeah, it's gonna be insane. It's gonna be insanity, you know. And I, one, the biggest thing to me is the the amount of quarterbacks. It's gonna be an oversaturated saturated market in terms of quarterbacks. I mean, uh, what's his name? The dude from Kansas State who was the starter. Oh, Will Howard. Yeah, Will Howard's in. I mean, there's a. There's Who's that? So Uga, many. What's his Ugalele? What's it? I can't remember. Oh yeah. Can't say his name from Oregon State. Mm-hmm. He's been he's been well traveled as well. He also declared uh, he's entering the portal. And these guys are going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Of course, their head somewhere. coach left also. Which, so yeah. he probably so you can, can yeah. play into that. And, you can, and that's one thing to, to know as a fan or all of us is that if your coach is fired or voluntarily leaves, you can already enter the portal now. So yeah. there you go. All right. Uh, so lots of portal, portal talk. Um, yeah, I know some people hate the portal. Some people love the portal. Right. When it first started, I was like, oh, man, this I don't like this. But then uh, the more I think about it, I mean, really, you just got to get over the guys that want to leave. That always hurts yeah. most of the time. You know, man, how come he doesn't want to play for what? But it is exciting when you know you have the ability now to go out there and find some pieces. That's got to be so tough on a coaching staff. I mean, you know, recruiting high school is a, is a gigantic effort in yeah. itself. But then to sit there and monitor all the time, the portal and who's who's entering and who's who might fit and how do you really vet those guys quickly and and when there there's so many teams that may want certain guys yeah. and how do they you know what kind of communication can they have with them and and how do they you know meet with them and, and go about deciding yeah we want you and you know you talk to them and then it's a fit I mean that's that's got to be just a massive undertaking. I think most coaches you talk to will say they like the portal because it gives them a little flexibility. Mm-hmm. It's a great tool, you know, to yeah. to fill roster holes. But then you'll have tradi- traditionalists like Gundy, who is like, you know, college, the college game's gone to hell in a handbasket. But I, I don't see how you could have the transfer portal, uh, how you could not have the transfer portal and have nil. Like you know, I. You basically made this a, a minor league professional sport, right? So you got to open it up. Now they put restrictions on it so instead, instead of just having the transfer portal open all the time, which that was probably a bad idea, just because somebody in like week six could be like, you know, get chewed out and be like, I'm I'm going, I'm fine, here, I'm going right. to the portal, you know? Like now you have a, a window, you have a couple of transfer portal windows, and I think that's better, and especially with the timing of it. So. 
And it gives guys probably time to, in those situations, to not to make just a wild, crazy decision. And yeah. then, you know, now you got to be a little more thoughtful about it. Do I really want to do this? And is this in my best interest? And what could I hope to, you know, improve here? And I, I do like that they're sticking to the, if you've, like, you could transfer once without having to sit out. But now if you get, like, because some of these guys, like these quarterbacks, they've transferred like four times, you know, before the, some of the restrictions. Yeah. But you could transfer if you graduate, which that's good. I think you should be rewarded for graduating. You know, I mean, that's like an ending chapter of your life. You know, I, I get that. And I like the one-time exemption. Uh, but after that, like, all right, you know. Mm-hmm. you know, And there are some exceptions, but they've been pretty, so far, uh, you know, hardline on that NCAA uh, for once, which is good. You know, I, I think that's yeah. good. I, I think the, the new uh, restrictions actually help. At first, I was very skeptical of them, but I, I think it's helped. All right. Anything else? Yeah. Real quick. Stuff I, you want to touch I, yeah. On here? Real quick. I text who they're targeting. Two to two to three. Maybe even four offensive linemen, defensive tackles, cornerbacks. If the right running back comes along, I think they would they would jump on that. Maybe a tight end, mm-hmm. but that's that's who they're looking at. That's the position groups. What about is I know because I saw it yesterday. It's a Tawi Walker from OU. Are he uh, enter, is entering the portal? Yeah. I mean, he was pretty good. He was a good between the tackle guy. Yeah. I don't know he, if they. I, I, you see, might the thing is, is like, if they were to talk to him right now without him actually being in the portal, that'd be tampering. So even if I knew, I don't know if I could say. You know, uh, would they, would you, they yeah. target him? Yeah, I, I, I hope so. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. pretty good for him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I seen him have a scholarship or something. So that's part of the reason he, mm. he, was, he was leaving. But okay. um, but it, one other thing I I saw where um my, you know my daughter goes to school there, so I I know some things there, but uh, just by virtue of her association there. But um, that uh, as a comma's brother was a wide receiver committed there. I saw today, I think he committed to TCU. Mm-hmm. Was that a guy that, uh, you know, once he decommitted, was that any, was Tech ever interested in him? Tech I mean, was very they, interested in him like two years ago. Okay. And then he doesn't, and they're, okay, it's my, I don't want to speak for them or, um, it's my understanding that he doesn't meet some of their uh, measurement requirements okay. in terms of athletically. Okay. So he's okay. not exactly like an easy type, even though okay. they're brothers. Yeah. You know? Okay. I mean, I guess he's tall, but he just. He is tall, yeah. but the athleticism part yeah. of it. You know, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. No, I just saw that. I saw we went to TCU, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if. Uh, no, I they were very. They offered him, and they I, he visited at least. I interviewed him. I can't remember. Um, but he interviewed at least a couple of times. Um, yeah. But no. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Well, we got more. Um, we're here at Bubba's today. Come by, have lunch. Well, it's a great day today. It's Friday. We're out here on the patio where it's very, uh, very comfy. Got TVs going. Um, food's here. Uh, food's great here at Bubba's. So come out and hang out with us. We're going to talk some more uh, recruiting. So that's kind of the, the whole portal thing that uh, opens up for sure or for officially on Monday. So I'm, I would imagine next week we'll have all kinds of stuff to talk about with that. But next, it's just. Uh, I say basic recruiting, but yeah, I want to mention some visitors in the next segment that we didn't okay. get to this segment that are coming in this weekend. Too. And those are poor, those are those are Division two junior college guys and guys okay. who from schools that their coaches have have left. Okay, all right. So yeah, those are the guys that it's okay to have contact yeah. with yes. when they with their coach, but if yes. they're just leaving on their own. They have to wait till Monday. Yep. Okay. Making some notes. Here. It's it's a lot, right? Like I <laughs> it get is hard to keep up with it, man. It changes almost every year. I know so. it's it's crazy. All right, well, uh, recruiting inside the Red Raiders. dot com. Jarrett uh, breaks it all down next here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Show from Bubba's Thirty Three on Rock One Hundred One Point One. Inside the Red Raiders football recruiting with Twenty Four Seven Sports, Jarrett Johnson.
All right, starting off here, uh, this recruiting segment, there are visitors in town for Texas Tech football this weekend. Absolutely, and again, most of these guys are junior callers or Division II guys, but these are highly, like, guys that, one of these dudes is a Division II guy who has an offer from Georgia, so, I hmm. mean, it's not like, uh, uh, you know, these are, like, Tech is reaching for these guys, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, let me... Let me also say that I expect, you know, there'll be some big visitor weekends later this month from other guys uh, that are going to be in the in the transfer portal. And, and then, of course, high school recruits, like, solidifying. Because the early signing period is later this, this month in, what, three weeks or something yeah. like that. So uh, a lot going on. <clears throat> the first guy I want to mention who's visiting is uh, from Trinity Valley Community College, so junior college. Uh, he's a number three prospect uh, at safety, actually, Isaiah Crosby. And... Uh, I, I, he, there's already a crystal ball for him to go to end up at Texas Tech, and he has, you know, some some pretty nice offers for him. I mean, he's number three junior college safety in the country, so uh, it's one of those we talked about. Junior college guys are kind of being phased out in terms of in bulk, but the top tier guys are still there's still, still a market home, for yeah. for him. Yeah, uh, another another couple of junior college guys is uh, tied in Alex Lines at a Garden City Community College. Um, and then uh, offensive tackle, I really like this guy, uh, Maurice Rodriguez out of Saddleback College, 6'7", 320. Both those guys have offers from several other schools. That's a big dude. Yep. This is interesting here. Um, from Gulf, uh, Gulf College in Canada, 6'195", uh, defensive back Devin Cromwell. I talked to him, or I exchanged messages with him, uh, DMs with him throughout the week, and he's excited. He, I think he was coming to Lubbock today, so from Canada. Wow. So, yeah. And he you know, tech offered him, and uh, he had 21 tackles, seven passes, defended two interceptions, and a forced fumble. And he's six one, which is you know good enough size, and he can really run, man. That's the thing. He's really fast. And if, you get, if you're able to land, like, like I said, the cream of the crop of the JUCO guys, some of these type guys, these, are these the type of guys that would be expected to be immediate playing and immediate help? Because, you know, sometimes back in the – when it was, wasn't the transfer portal – a lot of those JUCO guys, you know, they come year. in. Yeah, they kind of acclimate for a year, and then they might contribute the next year. Are these the type of guys that, I mean, nobody ever knows. I mean, you yeah. know, anything can happen. But, I mean, but just on paper, do they, do they are these the kind of guys you would count on to come in and fill a hole immediately? And In the 2D, yes. Okay. Start necessarily, no. But they need probably, I mean, they're going to need some starters on the offensive line, you know? I yeah. mean, uh, you know, uh, stats is gone. Spencer's gone. Is what's going to happen with uh, Rogers Mills? They both celebrated Senior Day, but they have eligibility remaining. So yeah, we'll have to see. You know, um, and then you lost already a couple of guys have announced that were death pieces and uh, Landon Peterson and Matt Keeler. So I mean, they're going to be adding a lot of offensive linemen and, and expecting them to play pretty quickly. And you look at cornerback. I mean, you lost Rashad Williams and Malik Dunlap, who have been your starters for two years. Yeah. Um, I like, you have Braylon Lux, I believe. He's returning, and I thought he played great. And uh, Marion Horn and some young guys coming up, but you, you need some guys you know can play, you know, at yeah. least in the two deep. Kind of like a Braylon Lux, you know, a guy right. who came in and he was one of the biggest, you know, boom or bust. He was one of the biggest portal additions you had. I thought he consistently played very well throughout yeah. the season, you know? Yeah. Um, so. If you could find one or two more of him, a cornerback, or even like a safety, that would be great. Do they, do they have any guys, any these, you know, young guys that, you know, maybe redshirted this year or, or mm-hmm. anybody that, that you, you feel like 
has a chance to finally contribute this this next season? I mean, who's in the who's in the pipeline that's you know on the team there, young guys? Yeah, I'm interested. Are you talking about anywhere on the team? Yeah, sure. Just yeah, anything comes to mind. I think, guys uh, think. Jalen Peoples is somebody that to, to watch at cornerback. You know, yeah, um, there's somebody name. like him. He was one of the first. Like, he committed like the the day he did, McGuire was yeah. hired, <clears throat> and he's from what I hear, and I've seen a couple of things from him. Just what I hear is like when he's healthy, he's played well, uh, but they're still going through some growing pains. So he's got a whole off season. You know, uh, it's these practices for the bowl game come mm-hmm. in, and that yeah. that helps. Uh, a new rule this year is that. If the, some of these freshmen that come in early, they can do the, they can compete or play or practice in in these bowl practices. They can't play in the game, but these true freshmen from the twenty four class can practice. Wow, uh, that's kind of cool. I didn't even know that was a rule. Somebody, a fan, told me that, and I was like, dang. Uh, <laughs> or a recruit told me that, and I was like, oh, I looked it up. Like, okay, because uh, again, I mean. Everybody, I know I'm expected to know all the rules, but there are so many rules, and, and they're changing, changing yeah. constantly. So, uh, that I mean, a guy like, for example, Michael Hudson, um, coming in and who's expected to play early, that that will help get yeah. some real practice in, you know, at the college level. But that's going to be an eye opener for them. Some of them, maybe not Micah, but some of these other freshmen, right? Um, Caden Carr, local offensive mm-hmm. lineman, uh, is somebody that's been talked about a lot. Uh, Nick uh, Fatig, one of the uh, like a freak offensive lineman, uh, is another guy I think watch out for. But you, you, I don't want to throw too many off, young offensive linemen out because uh, you know they need a couple years to develop. You can, right. I, you don't want to throw these young guys too many young offensive linemen out there. Um, you just that's just a position they really need time to to get better I just, they do get bigger and just, yeah, yeah eat yeah. and all, you know, all that stuff but these guys come in at like 300 pounds already out of high school but <laughs> still they got a the strength and all that yeah. the technique and all what they're trying to do uh, i'm trying to think about um a uh, willis the running back that's somebody to watch okay um he he redshirted this year was, was a running back oh michael dingle he played four games but he redshirted that's that's somebody that's somebody to keep an eye on. All right, um, it's all it's all good. I was just my phone was, uh, there and it, was <laughs> I, it was like the bat phone, and I was thought it was must be some sort of a grave emergency. So I'll, I'll have to get to that in a minute. Nothing personal, just work stuff. But yeah. Anyway, sorry for the disruption there. Um, where were we? Just young guys who we think could could help. I'm Marion Horn. It's time for him to step up. We're going to need him to step up the corner. Um, I really like what we saw from Chapman Lewis as a true freshman. Brennan Jordan up and down. Jordan Sanford's another guy uh, in the secondary who I think could, you know, step into a big position next year. And I'm glad that C.J. Baskerville has another year of eligibility because I thought he looked really good at, at safety towards the end of the season. Yeah, that would be nice to have, have him back, some mm-hmm. experience back there. Oh, uh, Trayvon McElpine. He had a sack in the, against UT. Uh, he's like a 320-pound nose tackle. That might soften the blow. His development. He got hurt last season and missed all. He tore his ACL and was all. It was out all last year. And he's been behind Jalen and Tony at defensive tackle. Um, him and Emarion uh, Banks, I think, will actually be. I mean, I, I know you're still losing Jalen and Tony, but I like Banks and uh, McElpine's uh, potential yeah. on the inside. Okay. Yeah, that's what it's always exciting. I think it seems like anymore. The transfer portal kind of becomes a thing. You're like, man, who are we going to get out of the portal? 
And then sometimes, you know, you forget about the, what they're doing to the high school recruiting yeah. and, the, and these guys now that are starting to, you know, like I said, be in the pipeline and they're developing or redshirting in, in certain cases. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's easy to forget some of those guys from the time they, they land here and you don't see much of them. And then all of a sudden, you know, there they are. And you think, wow, that guy looks pretty good. You know, I so. really like Michael Dingle. I think him and Ben Roberts for the next three, four years, potentially, I mean, of course, they can leave for the transfer portal or whatever, but very athletic head-hunting linebackers, you know, sideline to sideline. Yeah. Like, they remind me, like, Michael Dingle reminds me a lot of Jordan Brooks. Yeah, okay. You know, he may not be quite as big as him yet, but he, he might be faster, which is saying something. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Anything else uh, recruiting-wise uh, want to touch on here? What? Well, I had a question for Jared here. What percentage of the transfer portal are actual players that may not be happy with their, where their coaches are, our coaches have left? And what, what percentage of the transfer portal are players that teams are like, eh, you better find a, a different different place. You're not you're not working out. Could they, you repeat that question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know what you're saying. It's like who who's, who's being uh, who's being pushed, pushed out and who's actually going to look and see, you know, what the market is for. I you know, um I don't know if I could put a percentage on it, but you can tell by where they go. I mean, if they're at a power five and they go to North Texas, then they were probably pushed out, you know, or they were just unhappy with their playing time, you know. Um, so I would say probably a third at least have been processed, for lack of a better term. And then you have like a third who is unhappy, just unhappy with their playing time looking for it. And then a whole other third that the team likes them, they want maybe even less, maybe even like more like 20%. So I don't know where the rest of the percentage comes in, but. Maybe like 20% is somebody like, he's a starter, he's a good player, his, coach, his coaches want him to stay, but he, he knows he can get some money on the market, or he thinks he can get some money on the market, and he wants to go see what that market is. Is there any guys that, like, when these guys, they, they say they're going to get in the portal and everything, do you, how does this work as far as, if, once you enter the transfer mm-hmm. portal, can you still come back to your original team yes, if they still can, wanted you if back, they want if you decide, you. right, and that's... Because they may have already moved on or something, yeah. so it's still kind of a gamble. You go out there thinking oh, yeah. you're going to make bank somewhere, and then suddenly you realize that maybe you're not as uh, popular out there as you thought you might be. But you, you still technically you could still come back, but it just comes down to it, does your team it, have availability yeah. for you still? If it's yeah. mutual, and some of these coaches or people in general are you know spiteful too, so it's yeah. like you left, like right, yeah. you know, <laughs> where's your loyalty? They don't want you. Um, some of us like, well, we were kind of hoping you'd leave for that roster spot, and the guy didn't know that. You know what I mean? Right, like, there's been yeah. some crazy stories since the advent of the transfer portal. That is definitely a thing where uh, some guys felt higher, more, you know, more highly of themselves or their market value than than the reality. So one other thing we, I guess, did we uh, touch on? I'm, I'm sorry, I got distracted uh, there for a moment, but the the coaching fine, turnover man, thing is that is that what you were. Did you already cover that? We could do this another time. We could do this another show. No, we, it, no it's, I love talking about this. Like so this is some of my favorite stuff there is. But like when your when your coach leaves, like a conference, a coach in a conference leaves, and uh, how does it benefit the opposing teams in the same conference? Yeah, well, I mean, now with the transfer portal, that, that's that's something where you see guys going from one team to a rival and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Didn't even have to be turnover. Like, just let's just switch over to basketball. I mean, look at Kevin McCuller. You know, yeah. Mr. Texas Tech. I mean, that's the one. That's like the shiny or 
burning example. I know what you mean by shining. But yeah. yeah, not the good kind of not shining. The good kind of shining. More the, of the, the scary the movie gold shining. Standard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. In terms of like Red you know Rob. a legacy and being such a big part of uh, some really important Texas Tech teams, and then right. he goes to like you know one of your biggest rivals in, in basketball, at least in the conference, and. You know, he's starring for them for two years. You know, like yeah. that's crazy. It uh, hurts. It really does. It hurt. You know, and there's a, there's stories of that. Uh, well, you look at like Alan Bowman. You know, uh, yeah. you know he's leading Oklahoma State to the Big Twelve Championship. You know, that one didn't bother me as much because I felt like it was ten years ago he played yeah. Tech, <laughs> and, and it was so weird to see him out there. I was like, man, do they know how old this guy? Is? I yeah. mean, it was just it was, it was such a weird thing. You know, it goes like so many different ways with uh, with coaching turnover. And I think you got to be really careful about hiring and firing coaches like to me that is that's the deal yeah like college sports are all about the the coach pro sports are all about the talent the player i mean because the coach obviously goes out and gets the talent in in recruiting uh in college but i I think there are times where it's a good time to you got to cut bait with your coach and uh, just my example that i've seen here was cliff kingsbury i wrote that story that it was time to move on from the cliff kingsbury era and they waited two years, and I mentioned all the roster. I actually I pulled up a story I wrote just mentioning the attrition, but they were losing the recruits, like, in droves. I mean, they lost, like, imagine if McGuire lost, the uh, like, 85% of the 2022 class already, like, as of right now, yeah. what that would look like on the roster, you know? And then it already lost, like, four of their top five players from the 2023 class. Like just this last one, this, yeah. the refreshment this year. That's what was happening. And so it was time, you know. But also, like in defense of Kingsbury, if you have constant turnover at, like, say, a coordinator position, like defensive coordinator, you'll have somebody with, like, say, a David Wallerstead who has a clear idea of, or <laughs> has an idea of the type of uh, recruit he wants and player he wants. And then you bring in, like, a David Gibbs. Uh, and he's like, no, he runs off. You know, even some of the guys that were talented, but he didn't like or his fit. So now you have the worst defense in college football, you know, and then Gibbs is gone. And the next guy comes on and he wants a completely different guy. So guys that were starting, he's like, no, I want my own guys. And you just keep resetting like that. You can't climb out of the hole. You can't climb out of that hole. So that's why uh, Gundy is a great example of continuity, you know, Mm -hmm. and what the benefits of that. Yeah. But yeah, that's where it's, it's a. It's a science in terms of uh, when to cut bait, who to cut, all, all that stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you have to know the right timing and, and, or it will set your program back. Yeah, as we've seen. <laughs> yep. All right, uh, we come back here. Time to talk some basketball, Lady Raiders and Red Raiders. And uh, Pete, uh, have, especially in Lady Raiders, I know you're, you uh, follow closely and Coach Gerlich. It appears got some things, uh, you know, rolling in the right direction so far this year. Trying not to drink any Kool Aid. I've had enough Kool Aid for, <laughs> yeah. for one year, but uh, but she, it looks like things, you know, things are pretty pretty promising right now. So we'll talk about that next year on the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame from Bubba's Thirty Three on Rock One One Point One. Lady Raider Basketball. Off to uh, an undefeated start. And, uh, you know, Coach Gerlich, I really, I really like her, and I, I was so happy when Tech hired her to be the Lady Raiders coach. And uh, this year, you know, you've, you've seen every year, it seems like they are getting better. This year, though, they, they appear to have uh, 
just a, a, a deeper team yes. that may be actually able to uh, to hang in the Big 12 a little more. Yeah, you know, eight no start. The last three games they were trailing. They had to battle and come back. And so, you know, won a couple games out in Vegas. Uh, then the other night, uh, really trailing Central Florida. And it was an interesting game because it was a father versus daughter game. Lady Raider Jada Wynn. Her father is an assistant coach at Central Florida. And so the game was tied late. And who stepped up? Jada Wynn hit three big three-pointers, gave her dad a, you know, a, a dagger <laughs> stare. And, oh, uh, and, and the Lady Raiders won. And uh, she got one of the Lady Raider Dominator, uh, what do you call those things? Like a necklace type thing afterwards. But, you know, Turnover an, chain. Or something. Yeah, kind of. So. <laughs> You know, uh, just a, another Lady Raider stepping up. So, you know, uh, uh, Bailey Maupin so far has had double figures in all eight games so far. Uh, of course, Shavers is strong. Uh, Riley McKinney. I mean, just they got so many offensive, uh, you know, outlets they can go to. And the Lady Raiders back home tonight taking on uh, Houston Christian, formerly Houston Baptist. Uh, that's a 6 o'clock kick tonight. A kick. That's a 6 o'clock tip-off tonight at the USA. But the Lady Raiders, a uh, chance to go to 9-0 and yeah. tonight. Yeah, so. and they've played some pretty decent competition i mean there's certainly some of the games are going to be your early season sure. game tune-up games and stuff but they've actually played some games against some you know pretty good opponents yeah that, and they know. got you know they got rutgers uh, when they were in in uh, vegas and then they played a five and one uh, santa clara team and came back and beat them so uh you know so far so good i mean you know, bottom line is you got to beat who you play i mean right. you can't just hey we want to go play tennessee i mean whoever's on the schedule so uh, you know, hopefully they can pick up some more wins. And, you know, if you remember, they lost their exhibition game at home to Northern Arizona. People are like, uh-oh. And, yeah. uh, you know, they seem to, to have it going now. Yeah. And I like that little, you can, they post it after every game, who gets the, the Lady Raider dominator. And uh, it just looks like a close-knit team. And, uh, you know, I think uh, different players step up and, and have different numbers for them each game. And so, you know, maybe it's a, you know, hopefully it's a, a we thing and not a me thing and uh, looking good. And so, uh, you know, I think they, they wanted, you know, last year, if you remember, they had them watching the NCAA tournament to mentally prepare to hear their name. So, you know, it's, it's NCAA. That's the goal this year. Yeah, good. Not the NIT. Right. Yeah, or CBI or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those other ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So uh, now to the, uh, to the Red Raiders who uh, had a tough overtime loss uh, yesterday to Butler. But, yeah, that whole game, I, I didn't get to watch the whole game from start to finish, but I saw a lot of the game. And every time I would tune in, it seemed like Tech was down like five or six points, and they couldn't quite, you know, couldn't quite get there. Well, then I was away from the game for a while, and I come back to it, and it's in overtime, you know, because they had tied it up. Yeah, so I they, watched the rest from there. They were down 10 at one point and battled and actually came back and took the lead lost the lead and then it was a pop isaacs uh I, you know, maybe three seconds left he got the the tying uh, hoop uh, you know like kind of like he did against northern iowa to win it and they go into overtime and uh you know couldn't hit shots couldn't stop and uh, you know fell behind eight or nine and and lost whatever it was 103 to 95 five and two back home wednesday against uh I keep forgetting the name of that. Omaha. Omaha, yes. Omaha. Omaha. I keep Omaha. thinking, what's the name of the Nebraska town? So, uh, 
you know, uh, I, I'm encouraged that, you know, they didn't get rolled over and lose by 30. And, you know, just like when they lost to Villanova, they battled back, barely beat Northern Iowa. Man, then they put it together and, uh, you know, beat uh, a good Michigan team. And even the, the other night, uh, last night, when they're down eight or something, they call a timeout. And I'm like, as I've noticed, uh, I, they're going to score right out of this timeout. Boom, they sure do. I mean, I, I, I see some real positives of what McCaslin's doing. So, and it's almost a, an entirely new roster this year. I mean, this is the time of year where I sit there and watch them. I, who's this guy? You know, I mean, there's just so many new guys. What is there? Probably like eight or nine guys that weren't on the team last year. I mean, it's it's a lot of newcomers. Who do you think is the the who's the leader of the team at this point? Is Joe it Pop Tassan. or is it Joe Tassan? Okay, he's been solid. Unquestionably, to me, like in terms of like the emotional leader and the floor general and all okay. that toughness guy. Yeah, that's what I was at. Yeah. That's what I want to know. Yeah. Yes, okay. Joe Tassan. I like him a lot. He's like, uh, who's the same, like the point guard last year? Uh, you know me with names. And it's, <laughs> well, it's crazy. I can't remember yesterday, hardly. Um, uh, wow, this is bad. Anyways, he reminds <laughs> me a lot of similar players that Tech has had, except perhaps maybe even have like a little more toughness to him. Yeah, okay. He's a, was it from the Bronx or Brooklyn or something? He's a New York point guard. Uh, you know, okay. and my man, Mighty Joe, he loves those, uh, those New York point guards. I think he even wrote about him in uh, his recap of the game last night, but... Joe Tassant's a tough dude. Will play defense. He's your best creator, and he's not a great outside shooter, but he seems to make big shots. You know, in big time, yeah. in big moments. Well, they uh, in that game last night, watching is it Warren Washington, mm-hmm. another newcomer that mm-hmm. had a few uh, cleanups under the basket where he jammed them home, oh, looked really good. Devin Cambridge is another dude. Yeah, that dunk on your head. You know, like. But you know, and those guys, they those guys look pretty good. But there were there were a lot of times in that game. While I was watching where Tech was, it looked like they were just getting beat in the paint quite yeah. a bit, you know, and, and that's what I worry is Big 12 play. Man, if you can't push around in the paint, man. Whew, they went small a lot in the second half, and they yeah. actually that's, they made their run doing that, but they don't have a lot of depth up front at all. They got Warren Washington. Devin Cambridge is really more of a forward, you yeah. know, like, I mean, they're asking him to play bigger than he, than he is really. After how, tall, that, how tall is he? Do you know? Six seven. Yeah, okay. Six yeah, six, so six not, seven. He's yeah. like a wing, really. You right. Know? And interestingly, Butler's whole team was like a team of transfers too, uh, yeah. like you know, or is a team of transfers, you know, and they look really good. Butler looks good, and they don't lose there. I I came away from the game last night. I don't know about you, Pete, but uh, feeling and Jeff, I feel a lot better about Tech than I did going into it. I feel a lot better about them after this two and two stretch than I did after the the homestand against. Corpus Christi and right. San Jose State right. is a good team, but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, right, right. Like, this was the first two road tests. What I've seen from this team under McCaslin, they're going to fight. Yeah, which you got to be able to do that, and if you're going to be in the Big Twelve, are you like you said, Jeff? You're going to get pushed around. Uh, they're going to play hard, like in terms of defense. But last night was kind of a red flag against a like a that was a Big Twelve caliber team, the Big East team, yeah. you know, Butler, and offensively they put it on. Tech, you know, like yeah. Tech's defense looked like, like you said, inside they struggled. I don't remember what the difference was in the paint, but it was almost it was like two to one. You yeah. know, it was like right. forty to twenty or something like that. Uh, and then Tech's not a very good outside shooting team, though they look good last night. Chance McMillan, man, he it's all. Or, it seems like this team is all or nothing. I mean, they're yeah, like yeah. everybody's scorching it from outside. Yeah. You're thinking, finally, a well, team that can shoot, and then nothing the next 13 game. Thirteen so threes weird. last night. I think yeah. Pop Isaac sets the tone in a lot of ways for this team for whatever reason. Yeah. And when he's on, this team is dangerous. Yeah. You know, and when he's taking good shots and not forcing bad shots, stuff like that, not turning the ball mm-hmm. over a lot, uh, this team's pretty dangerous. 
when he's not and the team's missing wide open threes, I mean, they're pretty, they look pretty ordinary. Well, and that Big 12, Big East battle is always tough. You know, yeah. a year ago yesterday, uh, what's his name, Patrick Ewing in Georgetown were in town, and Tech won that, and he raved about the USA. And then a year before that, two years ago, they were at Providence, and they lost that one, and Providence has been pretty good. So just, a, you know, they lost, but, man, that's a good team to play. But, you know, hopefully... Uh, you okay, know, they got those Omaha kind of games some, make you better. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And you need that when you're playing some of these other teams that are not that quality. I love it for the non-conference. That, and I guess the SEC challenge is done. I don't, I, I can't remember if that's done or yeah, not. Yeah, I think it was a 10-year window yeah. and that was it. So, but what was it, DePaul? Uh, yeah. Was it the Sweet 16 year or was that before that? You played at DePaul. That was yes. a pretty tough game, but that, that was, was a good test. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, it does help. And coming up in December, I know they play Vanderbilt at the Dickies Arena in Fort Worth, so that's mm, another that's cool. good game for yeah. Tech. And so who, who's next for Tech? Omaha. See, Omaha. I remember okay. this game. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't remember from Nebraska, so I'm telling myself Peyton Manning, and that allowed me to remember it. <laughs> the Omaha Audibles will be coming to town. All right, when's that game? Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, okay. Yeah. Lady what, uh, Raiders tonight. Can, can, I, can I watch that uh, somewhere? What, what channel? Uh, uh, you know, I'm just going to guess it'll be on uh, ESPN+. Plus. Okay, thank you. And Pete. yesterday's thank game you. was on FS1. It was. I found it, yeah. I, I was, you were nowhere to be found, so I had to search it out on my own. I, I did this thing, you, you Google things. Right. And I was able and to find it just like can. that. You know, the new thing now is, you know, I, made, I, made, I made a post yesterday about Tex playing Butler. And today, hey, what game, what channel will that game be on? After the fact. So that's a new thing that bothers me now. Oh, the start, airing of Pete's grievances. I'm going to start making up like bots to just automatically. It's Festivus. I'm know. listing the grievances. That's funny. Festivus oh, for the rest, rest of us. Festivus, that's yeah. right. All right, we come back here. Time for uh, our first Rockin' 25 college basketball poll of the season. We'll be joined by Eric Haslam and Michael Hunter to uh, do the honors here next on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame from Bubba's 33 on Rock 101.1. The Rockin' 25 college basketball poll is put together by sports experts from around the country. While some voters see one or two games a week, our voters see games live, on TV, and really understand college basketball. It's time to release the Rockin' 25 on the Rockin' Pregame. Man, I hope I can uh, live up to that epic intro right there. Wow, I wish I had some of that uh, that, that, that music going. Man, that sounds big. All right, I'll try to make it work without that. What would be your intro song? Um, if you walked into a room wherever, oh, like, man. you could pick one. Jeez, I don't know. Oh, I know we got off track. I'm sorry. but <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, how about uh, California Love? Wow, California. What would yours be, Pete? Okay, we got the guys on the line now. <laughs> oh, my bad, my bad. Um, all right, no, I'd have to give I that. I want to hear later, though. Oh, yeah. Think about it. Pretty I mean, fly you know, for a white guy maybe, for him. Maybe, you know, some, something, something <laughs> Pretty Snoop fly dog. for a white guy. Some Snoop Dogg or something. I, you know, I'm probably going to live on a prayer. Oh, yeah, that's right. You get yeah. Bon Jovi. Yeah. All right. And I live on a prayer. All right, so. well, our guests are waiting, and yeah. we, won't, uh, yeah. we won't ask them uh, a cold question of uh, walk-up music here. So it is our college <laughs> basketball rocketologist from the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll. We're joined by our friends, analytics consultant and owner of Haslametrics.com, Eric Haslam, and NFL and college basketball contributor to Tease the Dog, his Michael Hunter. 
This year, the Rockin' 25 poll waited until after the first multi-team events to finish before the very first poll. Why is that? For me, it was just to figure out who's playing where this season. It's impossible to, to provide a preseason poll, never mind one of those infamous way-too-early polls that people like to come up with in April, to tell you you know, who's going to be what in the upcoming season. None of those early polls have any kind of merit in today's college basketball universe as the NCAA continues to drive a once-great product straight into the ground. It took me the first three weeks of the season watching games and removing missing persons posters from my living room wall as I recognized uh, where people were kind of playing these days. I think it was something like 1,800 student-athletes, I guess, quote-unquote, were going where. Just to catch up with everything that's going on, uh, you know, I think it's a pretty futile effort to try to keep track of all these kids during the offseason if you're an everyday person with a life and a full-time job. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, coming into the season, I mean, everybody loves rankings. We see that before the season starts. But I even tell people with my own rankings that come out in like early October, take them with a big grain of salt. Take my own rankings. Take every other set of rankings. Take the AP rankings with a grain of salt. Because we saw that last year with North Carolina. Everybody was so sure North Carolina was the best team in the country, and they did not even qualify for the NCAA tournament. On paper, we can try to judge these teams the best we can. But the fact of the matter is we have to kind of watch these teams and see how they're going to match. And like Michael mentioned, they're the transfer portal being as active as it is. A lot of these players may come together. A lot of these experienced players may come together and a lot of them may just be disjointed and just kind of play together like a bunch of four-star freshmen. And that's, you know, so I think you kind of have to wait and see and give it a month before you really you get a pretty decent idea of how good these teams really are. And I think that's why we kind of wait for a month and then we start talking about it. Well, as we start the 2023-2024 college basketball season, what are you guys excited to see this year? And who is the team that we should all be looking out for? For excited to see, I would say that I'm, I'm kind of a fan of, of those teams that are proficient on the offensive end of the court. The team that comes to mind for me is Creighton, and particularly the addition of Stephen Ashworth from Utah State. I kind of think he, uh, he plays along the same lines as a Marcus Zigorowski. He might be a better fit in that offense than Ryan Nemhard was. And if you look at him coming into his situation, I'm a sucker for elite backcourts, along with Trey Alexander and Baylor Shireman. That's a very potent threesome in the one through three slots. Mix that with Ryan Kalkbrenner and an more than adequate defense. I think Creighton can definitely make waves this year. Arizona is another team I look forward to seeing. Very up-tempo, relentless, pushing the ball in transition. That team is right now top five in offensive efficiency, top ten in pace. I was going to say Tennessee coming into the season. Kind of had some transfer portal ads with Dalton Connect from Northern Colorado and Jordan Ganey from USC Upstate, really kind of providing them the offensive boost that they desperately needed the last few years. The problem is, it appears at this point it might just be a trade-off, as while they bring their offensive game, it seems like neither man really brings their best defensive resume to the table. So I get it, Rick Barnes trying to become more of an offensive threat, but I don't know if that's going to pay off in the long run. It might just be a kind of a break-even thing for Tennessee. As far as teams to look out for, I would probably just say BYU up front. That that's the team right now that has made the biggest jump in efficiency margins versus the preseason baseline. They've had proven victories already. They beat San Diego State by nine. They beat NC State by nine. They beat Arizona State. They buried them by 28. They chuck over 33 three-pointers per game. That's number one in the country. And they are converting 39% of those shots. On top of that, you're talking about a team with largely guys who have been with the program for more than a year. You're talking a lot of upperclassmen, very few transfer portal additions, 
very few freshmen. This is a team with a lot of experience. So keep an eye on BYU. I don't think a lot of people saw BYU coming, but they have really skyrocketed pretty quickly. Yeah, I think one of the things I'm most excited for is, you know, as an ACC guy, I'm fairly astonished by the way that Caleb Love leaving North Carolina has been a positive for both Caleb Love and North Carolina. I think we've seen that early in the season as North Carolina has fared fairly well outside of an overtime loss against Villanova on a neutral court. But, you know, they, they kind of boat raced Tennessee until they almost gave it up late, but ended up winning the game at home, putting up triple digits. I really like this Carolina team. I like that they have a pure point guard now instead of a guy who's looking to kind of score first and maybe doesn't quite fit that system. Something else I'm, I'm really excited for is to watch one of the top freshmen in the country as often as possible. And if you haven't seen Jacoby Walter, a 6'5 wing for Baylor, make sure you tune in whenever possible. He, he's been a bit unpredictable this season, but also has three games with over 23 points, including a 28-point debut against a solid team in Auburn. He won't be here for long. Uh, I'd recommend tuning in before the NBA makes him into a, a three and D or a stand in the corner type guy. Well, let's release the initial Rockin' Twenty Five with Purdue number one, UConn number two, Marquette number three, Arizona at four, Houston fifth, Baylor sixth, and Kansas seventh. The Big Twelve is hot with three teams in the top seven. Is there a conference that can fight from top to bottom, Eric? Well, as the old saying goes, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So my answer is going to remain the same as it's been for the last couple of years. And you just touched on that. The Big 12 is the is the conference to beat. In my opinion, this is probably not last year where all 10 Big 12 teams um, could take down a top 20 team on the moment's notice. I don't think that's, you know, with 14 teams, it's a little tougher to do. But the fact of the matter is that 10 of the 14 teams in the Big 12 this year are currently in my top 40. The worst team out of the 14 is West Virginia, and they're right around the number 110 range. But even they pushed Virginia the distance in that game a few weeks ago. And on top of that, you kind of understand where West Virginia is coming from in, in the fallout from that whole Huggy Bear incident. Everything is kind of a mess there in Morgantown. But I'm going to say top to bottom, Big 12 is still where it's at. If you look at the worst teams in the other major conferences, they're way worse than West Virginia. You look at Big East, you got DePaul and Georgetown. You look at the ACC, Louisville and Notre Dame. Big 10 has Minnesota. The SEC has Vanderbilt, who has really stumbled out of the blocks. The Pac-12, Cal and Oregon State, still pretty bad. So if you're looking at a conference that can probably go out there and compete top to bottom with anybody in the country, it all starts once again with the Big 12. And thank God Cal is joining the ACC. <laughs> Exclusive to the Rockin' pregame, it's the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll with our Rocketologist Eric Haslam and Michael Hunter. Number eight in our first poll is Duke, who lost to Arkansas on Wednesday. At nine, it's Tennessee, followed by 10, Kentucky. Old faithful Gonzaga is hanging close to the top 10 at number 11 this week. Villanova, who won the battle for Atlantis, they're at 12. Florida Atlantic is at 13, and Texas A&M, who lost to Virginia, is at 14. So, uh, Michael, who are the teams in this middle seven who you think can make the biggest impact this year? I, you know, of this group, uh, I would have to say Kentucky has the most upside, I think. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not a big believer in Gonzaga this year. I think they're probably going to run away with the West Coast Conference, but that's only because St. Mary's is not very good, I don't think, even though their roster would suggest otherwise. You know, I had my doubts prior to, our, to this past week, given the fact that they only played a single team worth mentioning and they had lost. But this Wildcat team just boat raced a Miami team that's widely considered to be an elite-level squad. Of course, 
things could have been a lot different coming into today's show had DJ Wagner not been cleared of injury. I'm a big believer that Robert Dillingham is one of the best guards in the country, though for some reason, unlike you know Kentucky freshman of the past, he's not exactly as heralded as he should be. But I think this team is very good guard play. I think they're very athletic. I think this is going to be one of those typical John Calipari Kentucky teams that progressively gets better as the season rolls along. Dillingham, as I mentioned, 15 points, four rips, six assists per game so far. Antonio Reeves seems to have adapted to a step up in competition. He's putting up numbers that rival his numbers at Illinois State while putting up a career high in efficiency across the board. I'd have to say Tennessee, I like their defensive ability. I like how they came back on North Carolina. But Rick Barnes in March is about as scary as a field mouse. I think Duke has some real problems. If Kyle Filipowski has an off night, no one else seems to be consistent enough to, to kind of lug that team to victory. Texas A&M's fine, but beyond Wade Taylor and Henry Coleman, I'm kind of meh uh, on their abilities and their depth. So I, I, Kentucky out of this group by a wide margin for me. Yeah, I'm interested to see what Texas A&M can do. I mean, this is a team with a very uh, unique style. They blitz the paint. They rely on drawing fouls. They pound the offensive glass and obtain points off of second chances. The problem with Texas A&M is they are typically not great shooters. They're only shooting 27% from three-point range this year, and they allow a ton of three-point attempts. They're at bottom 50 when it comes to preventing three-point attempts. So Buzz Williams definitely has his own way. He's going to follow, you know, march to the beat of his own drum. Um, but typically what I've seen in the past is those teams that can't shoot from the outside and allow a lot of three-point attempts are typically teams that are not going to be elite and going to go long distance in March, but maybe Buzz Williams kind of breaks the mold. Number 15 is North Carolina, 16, BYU. Colorado State checks in at 17. The U of Miami is 18. Another member of the Big East, Creighton, is 19. Texas is 20, Clemson 21. As we get closer to conference basketball, Eric, who made the biggest bang for their pre-conference buck scheduling correctly, and who made the biggest scheduling blunder this year so far? Well, when it comes to smart scheduling, I think you got to look at the team that, that has fairly stiff opposition that has come through unscathed. And obviously, you can throw Purdue out there. We won't count them because they're an elite team in college basketball, but the team I'll pick out is our old friends from uh, Gonzaga. They uh, have the one loss to Purdue, which is very understandable, probably number one team in the country, but they got wins against UCLA, good wins against UCLA, Yale, and Syracuse, and they've also got games scheduled versus USC, Washington, San Diego State, and UConn. So just kind of getting those early wins helps if they can get at least two two out of the four or get three out of the four, then they're sitting pretty. As far as scheduling blunders, the team that kind of jumps out at me right now is the team that has the maybe the weakest non-conference schedule out there, and that is TCU. Yes, they are 6-0. and They're winning by an average of nearly 30 points per game, but the best opponent they've faced so far is Omaha, which is just barely inside my top 300. And so, yeah, so what do they have coming up? Yeah, they get... Arizona State, okay, top 100 team. And then there's the Diamond Head Classic in late December. They get Clemson, who's a good team, but the field there is pretty weak. Maybe you get Nevada in the second round. Nevada is much improved. But outside of Clemson and Nevada, there really isn't much meat on the bone there for TCU. If they struggle in Big 12 play and they're on the bubble on Selection Sunday, that non-conference schedule of theirs is probably not going to help them. I think North Carolina has an opportunity to be a great success story when it comes to the non-conference schedule. They've already played Villanova, Arkansas, and Tennessee. 
they still have to play Connecticut, Kentucky, Oklahoma in non-conference play. So that, that non-con is sort of Gonzaga-esque uh, from recent years. And if Carolina is able to, to merge from those six games with a 5-1 with a and one or a four, even a 4-2 and two record, I think come Selection Sunday that's going to benefit them a, a great deal in, a, in an ACC that's still pretty weak in my opinion. Well, the last four of the Rockin' 25 includes Oklahoma, then Mississippi State, Illinois, and Ohio State at 25. What are your thoughts on these teams? You know, for me, I'm, I'm not a huge believer in a lot of these teams. Uh, Mississippi State, you know, I watched them lose to Georgia Tech this week in the SEC, ACC Challenge. To me, they looked very undisciplined. Now, granted, they're missing one of their best players, but, you know, this team shot nothing but three-pointers for the first ten minutes of the second half. That's undisciplined. That's that's poor decision-making. I've never been a big DJ Jeffries believer. I do like Jimmy Bell, who formerly played at West Virginia. He's a hard-nosed guy that's going to you know put a hard hat on and, and go to work underneath the rim. So, uh, you know, Mississippi State, I'd be really surprised if they're kind of dancing at the end of the season. Ohio State seems to play pretty well in the non-con, but lately when they get into Big Ten play, they kind of nosedive. Illinois, still reliant upon Terrence Shannon, who I, I don't think is a, is a tremendous leader, especially with some of the drama we saw last year. Their victory over USC is certainly something to hang their hat on in the out-of-conference. So I think Oklahoma in the long run is probably going to be the best team out of this. But I wouldn't be shocked if it was Illinois who put up a really good regular season win total. Yeah, with Oklahoma, Oklahoma's a team that kind of rose up. I think that was a team that I didn't see, really see coming. I think the, the analytics kind of identified them as a better team than expected, and I think they're coming to fruition a little bit with that. Mississippi State... Kind of the same way. I'm not a believer about Mississippi State, but getting Tolu Smith back from injury will be a big help for them. Illinois, I'm also not a big fan of. I'm, I'm just not a big believer in Terrence Shannon. That's a team that, you know, I talked about piecing together all these parts of the, the transfer portal together. That's kind of what's going on a little bit with Illinois. And then Ohio State. Ohio State always strikes me as a team that's going to deliver in November and December and then kind of fade away. It just seems to be the way that you kind of expect Everything that happened like that, Ohio State already delivered a nice win. You know, going forward, I, I don't know if I can believe the Buckeyes will stick around. All right, other teams receiving votes in the uh, Rockin' 25. Alphabetically are Alabama and Auburn, Bradley, Colorado, James Madison, Liberty, and then Memphis, Michigan State, and Nebraska, Princeton, San Diego State, TCU, UCLA, USC, Okay, sorry, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, it's always this time of year. All the uh, others receiving votes list is always really long. Guys, which of these teams are princes waiting to be kissed, and who are the true frogs receiving votes? From an analytics standpoint, I believe Alabama is the best of the bunch talent-wise, believe it or not. I think those other teams like Michigan State and it will probably be fine. USC is probably going to be fine to get Bronny James healthy again. As far as the frogs out there, I'm sorry, I'm just not a big believer in the mid-majors. I think a lot of the time you get those mid-majors in the votes, I think it's largely the, hey, look who I voted for kind of vote. That's the mid-major stuff. Typically, you'll get a St. Mary's or a Florida Atlantic or a Dayton a few years ago that rises up, but usually not many of those are going to show up in the top 25. So Princeton, Bradley, James Madison, you know, sorry, I'm just not a long-term believer. One of those may break through and be pretty special, but probably no more than one of those, in my opinion. Also, a bit of light on Nebraska right now. That's a team that's 7-0. and But, again, this is a team that needs to play someone. They beat Duquesne, who's a top 100 team. But every other win they've played has been a team in the bottom half of Division One in my rankings. We will find what they're made of pretty quickly in December. Back-to-back Sundays, they host Creighton and they host Michigan State. So, 
that will be the litmus test for them. I think Michigan State will eventually be okay, uh, whether that be just you know recency bias or, or historical bias, whatever you want to call it. You know, Auburn showed a little something laying a whooping on Virginia Tech during the ACC SEC Challenge. However, I'm not really convinced that the Hokies are really any good, even with the talent that they have. I don't think Robbie Barron has ever quite realized his potential, whether it was at Northwestern or this season in Blacksburg, where he's yet to reach double digits in points. I think USC is easily the best team in this group for reasons I provided earlier. This is one of the best backcourts in the country, and if Enfield can kind of coach the rest of his roster up, I think they could be a pretty sneaky prom date come March. As far as Frogs, yeah, I, I got to agree. TCU is a frog. You, you'll you'll never convince me that that James Madison, Liberty, or even Princeton can can really stand up. I think that Alabama has potential uh, with Mark Sears, who's a high volume scorer. But uh, for me, it's, it's USC in this group. Yeah, I think Michigan State will eventually right the ship, and potentially Alabama. You know, I'm obviously a big fan of Nate Oates. So for me, it's, it's those three teams. It's the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll with our rocketologists Eric Haslam and Michael Hunter. Which game is the one to watch out for in the next week? I think Florida Atlantic and Illinois on Tuesday has some potential, but I'm going to go with Texas and Marquette on Wednesday. Uh, I'm not quite sure what to think of Texas at this, at this point. Obviously, I like their talent, but of their six opponents this season, only one's been ranked within the top 180, and they lost to UConn by double digits. So, eh, Marquette, for as much grief as we've kind of give them over the years, Looks like a legitimate Final Four contender this year, having defeated UCLA, Kansas, and Illinois, with their only loss coming to Purdue by three on a neutral court. Tyler Kolek, Cam Jones kind of make up one of the best backcourts in the nation, if not the best backcourt in the nation, with Kolek being the reigning Big East Player of the Year. You know, he hasn't really missed a beat this season and kind of has people forgetting that Shaka Smart was once thought to be a tremendous underachiever at the Power Six level. So give me give me Marquette in Texas on Wednesday night. Yeah, for me, I'm going to probably bring up again Creighton in Nebraska on Sunday. That's a rematch of last year when the Cornhuskers shocked Creighton in Omaha by 10 points. I will also touch on next Tuesday, the Jimmy V Classic in, in Madison Square Garden where North Carolina plays UConn. UConn already with wins over Texas and Indiana. North Carolina with that win over Tennessee. Also a win over Arkansas. Their only loss this year is an overtime loss to Villanova. Watching them play against Tennessee, this looks far more like the North Carolina team that we're used to seeing, team that we saw before COVID. I think we've seen about four years now where the Tar Heels haven't always looked completely well, but all of a sudden they seem like they have brought things together. This looks like a powerful North Carolina team, going to be a very good challenge for UConn. Well, where can people find your work? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Tease the Dog, D-A-W-G, and sign up for the newsletter, which should resume hopefully around conference play this year. I put out a, a newsletter a few times a week with some best bets and some wagering tips. Uh, I'll do that when I'm currently not house hunting and selling a house at the same time and no longer living out of a suitcase. And as always, people can find my ratings, my rankings, my projections, and my bracketology, although it's too early for that, <laughs> over at Haslametrics.com. And uh, if you guys are looking for me on Twitter or X whatever they call it now, I am out there going hashtag analytically final at, at Haslametrics. Well, our thanks to Rockin' 25 voters Eric Haslam and Michael Hunter for breaking down the analytics and the teams. The Rockin' 25 college basketball poll is always available at rock101lubbock.com. All right, we come back. We uh, switch back to uh, Texas Tech football, breaking down the, uh, the offense this year, grading the Red Raiders uh, at uh, all the different positions. Uh, so this should be interesting on a season that by most accounts was, uh, you know, definitely a disappointing yep. uh, season that we weren't expecting. So uh, that's coming up next year. <laughs> Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame from Bubba's 33 on Rock 101.1.
Red Raider offense. All right, yeah, grading the uh, the offense uh, this season. You know, you just got the bowl game, uh, whatever that's going to be. We don't know yet. But just looking back on the regular season here, I think everybody would pretty much agree that uh, the season didn't turn out the way that most of us thought it would at the beginning of the season. But we'll just, let's just break it down by position on offense with uh, grades for uh, for each group here. So we'll start with the quarterbacks this year. Yeah, for me, I gave him a C, and I think that might be generous. Uh, Worst passing attack that Texas Tech's had. Worst, uh, overall, the offense gets like a D, only because of Taj. Maybe a C- minus because Taj was spectacular, but probably the worst offense overall uh, in the last 40 years at Texas Tech. And the passing game was the main culprit. Tyler Shuck, uh, even before he got hurt, turned the ball over too much. He had a couple of nice statistical games, like against Oregon, but again, too many uh, turnovers. Uh, Baron Morton's been hurt, so I get that, but... Uh, wasn't great. Jake Strong, true freshman. So, again, I understand the uh, excuses, but he had problems handing the ball off in Provo. I mean, simple yeah. things like that. And uh, so quarterback's good to see for me, Pete. Yeah, I, I, I think I was going to go C-, minus, but C is fair. C is fair, and, and that's only because of Taj Brooks. I mean, Wait, uh, there was the no— offense or the quarterbacks? The offense as a whole? Oh, oh, as a whole. No, I thought D to C maybe. Okay. But, I mean, I'm only saying the only good thing about the yeah. offense is the running game. And so, you know, all these years of the, you know, the air raid, I mean, it was the run raid this year. And so thankful for Taj Brooks. But the quarterbacks, the struggles, uh, the injuries, uh, yeah, I would go C, even C minus for the quarterbacks. I mean, this was not a good offensive showing this year. All right, now uh, to the running back room. You gonna get raised? Uh, well, I, I, I agree with them. Okay. If there's something I think is, if I totally disagree with you, I'll 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 throw something out. But no, I, I do agree with you on that though. I mean, it was it was nothing tremendous. There was some moments that were pretty good, but overall, I think C is right where it ought to be. I gave running backs A plus because of Taj Brooks. I think he was one of the best, absolute best players. Period to ever play at Texas Tech. He did some truly remarkable things this year. Uh, He led the country in broken tackles. He was like third in the country in yards after contact. First team all Big 12 performer. Uh, You know, the rest of the running backs, I mean, it's pretty scary looking in the future. Uh, I I do, uh, Anquan Willis is a guy, I think, to keep an eye on as a freshman this year. Uh, Everybody's talking about Cameron Valdez, but I don't know if the the coaches trust him. But overall, A-plus because Taj is excellent. Yeah, I went with a B, oh, but I'll tell you why. Because the teacher didn't go to him enough, and, and, and mm. he gets hurt by that. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. there are times they should have run more, Earlier and they the didn't. Season, right. Yeah. So, I mean, but obviously he's an A, but you, I drop him down to a B just because they did not utilize him as much as they could have this year. But he, he was outstanding. I mean, all those 100-yard games, and, and the guy's a warrior, and... Uh, uh, we're gonna definitely going to miss him if, if somebody can't talk him into coming back next year. Yeah, and he yeah. said after the UCF game that he yeah. expect, he fully expects that that was his last game at the jump. And, and he should move on because really? he's, he's hot right yeah. now. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, so, I, I mean, I'd, I'd still say an A, though, but I get what you're saying. That's an interesting point you bring up, Pete. So, yeah. Um, wide receivers next. F. F minus. <laughs> the worst receiving core I can remember at Texas Tech. I really, I, and that's incredible to say that because I mean, you know, for Tech not yeah. to have uh, to get a wide receiver, yes, that's unreal. Yeah, I agree with you. 
I, I mean, how many catches did Bradley even have all year? 40, I think. 40-something? Yeah. How many did he drop or yeah. not effort towards? <laughs> Incomplete. Yeah, I mean, you know, it just... Name one receiver that uh, was like, wow, man, that would... St- what? Name one receiver that would start on Kingsbury's team. <laughs> Forget yeah. Mike Leach's team. So because, those receiver cores like, man. Because, you know, it'd be weird. Like, Miles Price, though, is a great example. There would be a game where all of a sudden he's there, and you're like, wow, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah there is. And then the next several games, kind of nothing. And he was injured for three games, and not one of my customers asked where he was. Wow. I mean. That's it. That wow. really is yeah. insane. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they ask about, like, what channel the game is on and everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with D for wide receivers. But uh, Keep- just just – Great. You're an easy grade. Well, he wasn't on the well, running D back, is still so. failing. So give him a D for effort. Yeah, D for effort. I would say that that reminds me when I was in eighth grade, I had a math class, and, and my I, for the first semester, I was kind of skating through there. And so I'd turn in my homework, and she'd go, uh, she, uh, she would say, okay, Jeff, uh, B for effort, and she'd call out the grades. So I'm thinking, man, this is easy. I don't have to do anything. B for effort? I love this teacher. Well, at the end of the semester, I discovered she was saying D for effort. Oh, I, I just, I just no. wouldn't hear her right. So all the whole semester, I thought I was, you know, I was killing it, man. B for effort. I'm not gonna have to do anything. This is awesome. No, it was a D, and it was an awakening uh, for that next semester. Oh. Anyway, uh, moving that on is here. So sad. <laughs> yeah, it was a little sad, but, uh, but you know, I got it together. Um, tight ends now. now. Yeah, look at me now. Wow. It's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, tight ends. Um, okay, yeah, I would go. I, I'd give a B for tight ends this year, just because I felt like. I, it just seemed like, and look, I don't have this, the stats to back it up or anything, but it just seemed like saw more to, of uh, you know the tight ends being involved and stuff like Baylor Cup. I thought uh, yeah. you know he he looked really good this year. Mason Tharp, uh, I always always liked his game, but he was you know he's hurt for so All much time, of the year yeah. that that was disappointing. But when he but he, he when he was playing, you know I, I really enjoyed watching him play. So I, I thought overall those two guys, um, you know for for what they were asked to do, um, I thought I thought they played pretty well. And the blocking they had to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think they caught six touchdowns combined. Yeah, Mason Thorpe had three of them despite missing a lot. Like, he missed like four or five games with yeah. concussion problems. Yeah, those uh, are there for a while talking. He may not even ever, ever come play. back at all, so it was nice to see him come back. And Baylor Cup was sneaky good. I, again, they had to use him, as Pete said, in blocking a lot, <laughs> even in pass pro, and they were a big part of the run block, you know, the run game success. I gave him a B as well. All right. B is solid, yeah. All right, so we like, B we all, for effort. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> did you say D or yeah. B? D for effort. Jeff. D for effort. <laughs> all right, now uh, this another uh, troubling group here: the offensive line. Where are you at there? I actually was overall impressed with the offensive line. I gave them a C plus. Despite it's hard to say that after you see them get just. I mean, they got worked over by UT. Uh, it was it was terrible. But for uh, there was long stretches that. Uh, like against UCF, I mean, I don't think Baron Morton was sacked, and uh, the running game was successful. They at least played a part in that. Uh, I thought they were not great, but they were improved over last year. I would have given them a D for some effort, a little bit of effort. But that's <laughs> right. it. Uh, this year, I think a C plus. Okay, all right. I, I'll take away the plus and just go with C. the C. Yeah. But, but you know, it's just the, the. I mean, obviously, everybody's looking at the last game. That game could not have gone any worse. I mean, your last game against Texas to lose by fifty, uh, and you know they they uh, played the commissioner's clip again at the game. Yeah. I mean, it was just a nightmare. And then all over my page, profanity and tech, Texas people. I left wow. it because they deserved to talk. I mean, they beat the snot out of Tech, and it was horrible. 
the offensive line was the main call. There was a lot of blame to go around, but the right. offensive line, I mean, that, that was not, that was the biggest mismatch of the game. I was worried about it with Sweat and some mm-hmm. of the, the other. Uh, yeah. I can't remember the defensive tackle's name, but he's going to the NFL too. I, I was really concerned about that, and that played out. They just they were they were non-competitive. Yeah, I was gonna. You know, I mean, I was just gonna say a D overall because I really thought going into the season that because obviously last year wasn't very good, and this year you know they brought in some guys and yeah. some of the guys that were hyped up. Uh, you know, Rusty Stats gonna be in there and solidify some things and just look Cole at it bad. And yeah, I just thought it was just again it kind of went with the way the season went. There was a, some high expectations of yeah. improvement there, and you know, and I get you said so they did have some some good games yeah. there that maybe they. Uh, overachieved some somewhat some games, but just overall, just what I was expecting to be improved. Um, I just I don't know. I thought it was a D. So I, I just thought that quarterbacks scramble around all day, running for their lives. Except the run game, they did do pretty good on run blocking. I would say as evidenced by Taj's success. Yeah, I think they misevaluated their their personnel. I mean, they tried to be this aired out passing team that didn't work no matter the quarterback who they were playing, where they were playing, uh, and then. They made a couple of adjustments. They moved Wilburn back to center, kicked stats out to guard. Put Jacoby Jackson was in there for Cole Spencer, who was hurt. I think Cole, uh, Jacoby Jackson should have started the whole season. I think he's one of their best linemen. And their offensive line played really well. Like you said, it went how the season went in that three-game stretch where they where they had the three-game winning streak. So I, I think that was the main problem. But uh, also, this, this was good, though. Monroe Mills and, and Caleb Rogers flipping, I think, was a success. Monroe Mills wasn't great. Caleb Rogers was better. He's much better at right tackle. He, now, he was surprising he was, this year. He I was good this year. I mean, yeah, I, yeah I, he, where last year I was like, why is he playing? They have no one better I than him. You know? that, yeah. So, uh, C-plus isn't a great, I mean, I'm grounding my kid if he brings home a C-plus. C+ you know what I mean? So <laughs> Effort uh, or not. <laughs> yeah. He could effort some more chores and less madness. There stuff, you, you know go, I mean? right. So, C-plus isn't a big, like, Woo-hoo, but it's, you know, I, I think they, there were some improvements. But you know that if you finish 6-6, six and six, that's, that's got to see. That's about what it is, you yeah. know? All right, uh, next we hand out grades for Texas Tech defense when we return here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame. Live from Bubba's 33 on Rock 101.1. Red Raider defense. All right, handing out some grades uh, for the, we just got finished grading the offense. And now the defensive side. We'll start with the defensive tackles. Yeah, I gave him A minus. Jalen Hutchins and Tony Bradford. I think they were probably the best part of your team overall from start to finish of the season. I know neither one of them got uh, were on the all Big Twelve teams, but uh, uh, I think it, definitely Jalen, maybe Tony could have a future at the next level. All right, um, outside rushers. This is being generous, but C plus, and most of us because Miles Cole was really good against the run this year. He was, yeah, yeah, and he even provided a little bit more of a pass rush later in the season. He just was—he's just not really a pass rusher. Steve Linton was the biggest. Him and Stats were probably the biggest disappointments in terms of newcomers. I mean, Steve Linton—he had three sacks against Baylor. Uh, most of the season was invisible, and then later in the season. Uh, he didn't play for back tightness, or so I don't know what exactly went on there. Yeah. McGuire said back tightness, but uh, I, maybe that's what it was. I don't know. But he was injured a lot, ineffective a lot. Uh, overall, the outside linebackers were not good. They did not generate the pass rush that Texas Tech needed, and especially going into the the, the preseason hype oh, on yeah. Lynn particularly. Oh, yeah. I think everybody's expecting a lot. Um, inside linebackers, give him a B. Ben Roberts played really well. He's I think. One of the biggest reasons for optimism this season is his future. He was 
recently the coaches uh, named him co Big Twelve Freshman Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, or, yeah that's right. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a chief. long name. Yeah. Um, but and he deservedly so. He led the team with 100 tackles. Um, very good player, and uh, you know he hadn't even begun to reach his potential. Uh, you know, Josiah Pierre was okay, not spectacular. But he was okay. When Jacob Rodriguez was healthy, I thought they were really good at inside linebacker. Yeah. All right. How about the uh, corners? Yeah, I gave him a B. Now, I, they didn't give up as many explosive plays this year, and, you know, Malik Dunlap and Rashad Williams weren't really, again, weren't spectacular, but I don't remember, like, thinking these guys are terrible. You know, uh, Braylon Lux came in and played really well as well. You know, I, I just thought overall, while pass defense wasn't a strength of Texas Tech, they were asked to do a lot and held up for the most part. All right, and then finally on the defensive side of the ball, safeties. Yeah, A minus. I'm giving that mostly because of Rabbit. Um, I thought he was really good. Uh, Tyler Owens was okay. Uh, he, I mean, he's really aggressive player. He took some poor angles at times and was lost in coverage in times. But CJ Baskerville went healthy, especially when he moved to boundary safety, as opposed to playing star. He was really good. True freshman Brendan Jordan did some really good things at star. He also looked like a true freshman at times. All right, uh, we've got seven championship games coming up this weekend, and uh, we'll make some predictions next on the uh, Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' pregame on Rock 101.1. Alpha Cup is up for grabs again this year with Sean in the lead, 4-3 to three over Pete. Jeff and Jared are trying for their first win ever. Time for the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Predictions. There's winning and there's everybody else. All right, Sean. Um, all right. You need to get a, an out, <laughs> uh, some different hobby or an outlet. Spend some time with your wife or something, you know? Um, all right. Yeah, Sean's a leader. So many jokes there. <laughs> hey, by the way, rock or roll. We're not rocking or rolling since there's no game or anything, but just to point it out here, Jared, as the defending champ in rock or roll, you are uh, you have mathematically eliminated Pete from being able to uh, to come back, so you are the so, winner of rock or roll. Just to be clear, these are on the points of Texas Tech, of who we cover, right, yes. uh, of the games. That's what we answer questions about. <laughs> Pete's looking at <laughs> Wow. What a dirt bag. <laughs> dirt bag. I like that. A spliff bag. Oh, man. Um, all right. Well, anyway, congrats, Jared, for, uh, for you. your yeah, win. Actually, congrats. Very Thank good you. job. All right. So I get the dirt bag award? <laughs> no, bag you're not a dirt bag. What's the, like what, what? What was on the line on this one? A case of beer or keg. a bottle of you bourbon? Or there's, there's nothing. There's okay. nothing. Fifteen right. games he, you beat. Yes, I understand. It was a bad. Why year do we for not me. have beer this year? What? Because you guys dropped the ball. Never had beer bets. Never did anything. So I asked him once about he fell behind. But he didn't I'm just going to mention either. being a great friend. I gave you that really expensive bottle. That time, right. So I'm going to hook you up again, dude. Always. All oh, right. Oil. All right. It That's is my uh, boy. Conference championship weekend. <laughs> I'm going to get you a bunch of blue cheese. Man, I would love Listen, it. A whole barrel. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. poking in. <laughs> a barrel of blue cheese. <laughs> I just show up like a Christmas like. We hey, need no. the blue cheese bowl. Forget the mayo bowl and you get blue cheese. Oh, man, I'd have my mouth open. I'd swallow, eat all the <laughs> blue cheese. <laughs> Okay. Ah, well, hey, how about that? That's a blue cheese fanatic right there. Maybe a hot tub wow. full of blue cheese. All right. Let's uh, move on to conference championship weekend. We'll have more blue cheese talk later. Um, New Mexico State versus number 24, Liberty. This is uh, the Conference USA champion. Jared, who you got? How much blue, I'm sorry, how much blue cheese did you 
32 just, ounces. Yeah, that, but I could do more. That was the worst show we ever well, that was That, that was, was rough, delicious. Man. And those cheerleaders rough. from Tech really cheered oh, me right. on. Liberty. Right. Sorry, Liberty. I just, liberty, okay. I couldn't get give me Liberty. Or give me death. Give me Liberty. Give me death with the blue cheese. All right, here we go. Okay, that's Conference <laughs> USA. So we got Liberty. All right, we now move to the Pac-12. Mm. This is one of the games I'm excited to watch. Yes. Number five, yeah. Oregon versus number three, Washington. And man, that's that's, that's like tonight, that's like right? a, I mean, yeah. you know, that's what? a true like playoff game. Yeah, 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 I think it is. Huskies. Yeah, I got um, I got Oregon. Yeah, I'm going to take Oregon as well. I think just they because go to the Washington playoff. won the first one, and it's hard to beat a team twice in a season. Man, it's not impossible, but I'm going to go with Oregon. And this their time. rivals, man, UW. Yeah. Though I'm going to take. Let's okay. stick with UW and their quarterback. Yeah, they do. Yeah, but but you know, Bo Nix, Oregon. He's he's you know, ah, it's a good game. Yeah, that's going to go either way. Uh, in the Big Twelve, of course, you've got uh, OSU and uh, Texas. OSU comes in ranked number eighteen. Texas number seven. And man, I hope they both lose. Is that possible? Uh, I hope they both lose. Giant, um, giant sinkhole. Yeah. Yeah. I meteor. guess. Uh, I, I, I'm going to take Texas. Me too. You too. John. Uh, See, I know nobody wants to say it. Uh-huh. Um, all right, in the SEC, number one Georgia versus number eight Alabama. Georgia. I'm, yeah. I'm going Alabama. I want yeah. that committee to suffer and have to really make some tough decisions. Well, mean? if Alabama, I mean, I mean, yeah. if they win, I feel like they have to go in. But are not they gonna ahead ju- of Texas, though. They won't put Alabama in, in ahead of Texas because Texas beat them in Alabama. So, yeah. I don't know, but Texas got has so much. They got more ground to make up in the in the standings, right? Aren't they at like number seven or something? They're at seven. I was watching. Yeah. I think Greg McElroy was saying, "Look, I'm telling you, if Texas and Alabama both win, Texas is going ahead of Alabama." Obviously, he went to Alabama. But, so and I, I get the thing with the head to head, but it just seems like uh, I, I could see Texas getting. They they could beat OSU three hundred to nothing, and, and I still think that it could be a scenario they don't make it. But, I don't know. And just say Alabama wins, I think Georgia could be out. Are you going to have no SEC teams in the Final Four? That seems hard to believe. Right. Well, I don't know. Maybe, and maybe Georgia still stays in with the loss. Maybe. Or will it be Alabama, Texas, Oregon, Washington, and Florida State I mean, or something? I don't know. It depends on some of these other ones. Right. Like Michigan crazy. and Iowa. Crazy. We're going to talk about There's some great games. Yeah. Somebody yeah. could get stumbled. A lot of chaos this Georgia. weekend. So you got Georgia. Okay. I got Alabama. You know what? I'm just going gonna to go ahead and uh, I'm going to take Alabama, too. I, I just, it's hard to, well, I mean, you know, they're both great teams, but. Uh, well, you're I only three games I'm, back, so I'm cheering for you, Jeff. Right. Who are you taking, Sean? Georgia. Okay, okay. Go, so that's if I take one. Alabama, uh-huh. that's one. You're going to take all the favorites, right? Just be safe, cruise to the championship? That's what he's trying to do. Well, I, right. I picked UW also, so, you know, I think the better teams are going to win. So I, and I bet I did take Oregon on that's that right. one. So, so that, that's the only Good. chance I've got right. to make and up I'm, around, I'm so. agree. I agree with you. Um, okay. All right, here in the AAC, you got SMU and number 22, yes. Tulane. Tulane. Sean, you got Tulane? Okay. I got Tulane too. All right. Go yeah, that's, smooth, Sean. that's really that's really who I'd like to take, but mm, you got see. we got all the bowl games. So don't Oh yeah, that's right. this don't is it. I don't have to go for broke here. Right. You okay, don't. you're right. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about that. Cuz yeah, cuz I really want to take Tulane in that one, so. But I am happy with the other picks I made. Yeah, I don't pick, probably Sean? those. Still Tulane. Okay. Isn't okay. <laughs> 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 it hard to believe that Tulane used to be in the SEC? Do you I didn't that? know that. Yeah, no. they actually won an SEC championship one wow. time. Must they have were been in their back. It was like probably the, they were in the, through the seventies. I think. Mm-hmm. I think they actually just they volunteered. They left the conference. I think. I don't know if they couldn't keep up anymore or what the deal was, but they actually used to be in the SEC. Um, wow. I didn't how know about that. Uh, number two, Michigan, and uh, versus number sixteen, 
Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. Iowa cannot score. I'm going to go Michigan. Yeah. Michigan. Michigan's sixth, or Iowa's 16th in the country, and they're 22 point dogs. Jeez. Like, because uh, yeah, they, they, what do they average? Like seven points a game or something? Iowa, I mean, they cannot uh, score. Iowa has the most games with an under hitting. They've had seven uh, or nine games where the they were under. like record setting so over the under, under yeah. basically. Uh, yeah. Okay. Can I take the under? No. no. Uh, Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I've got Michigan as well. Pete, you say? I said Michigan. Say, yeah. Okay, everybody's got Michigan. All right, and then finally in the ACC, number 14, Louisville, number four, Florida State. Ah, I'm going to go ahead and take Florida, Florida State. State. Everybody thought they were going to uh, be lost when their quarterback went down with the injury, but, uh, you know, they still look pretty formidable. So I'll, I'll take Florida State. I'm going to go Louisville. Okay. Yeah. Florida State. Florida State. All right, there you go. So championship weekend. Man, if you love college football, though, man, what a lot of great games yeah. to watch, man. I just, oh. I Did love. you take any underdog? No, Florida State's an, a dog. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's plus, yeah, plus three right. on that one, right? You're okay, right. Yeah. All right. Um, when we come back here, wrap up the show. Uh, which teams do you think will be in the final four for the college football playoff? That's next on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on Rock 101.1. Reckham Tech, it's time for the final call. Come take your best shot. All right, which teams will be in the final four college football playoff? Man, there's a lot of uh, a lot of intrigue still. There's a lot yeah. of things that could happen that could cause some real chaos here. But uh, who, who do you who you guys think is ultimately going to be in it? I took uh, Michigan because they're going to win. I took Oregon. I think they'll beat Tech Washington and knock them out. Uh, and then uh, I took uh, Alabama beating Georgia, so I feel like Alabama moves in, and that moves Texas in when they win. So I got Michigan, Oregon, Alabama, Texas. All right. I got Michigan, Washington, Georgia, and Texas. Uh, yeah, I know. See, that's what – who did I have? I had Oregon. So if, if Oregon wins, beats Washington. So I guess that'd give me Oregon – um, I had Alabama beating Georgia, so I guess it'd be Oregon. I'll, yeah, but see, and then I've got Michigan. So I know I've got Oregon, Michigan. Oh, boy. I is, know it's so funny. I picked my teams. I wasn't even thinking about the, the final four here. Is it possible wanna... that Alabama wins the SEC championship, but doesn't Alabama, but doesn't go to the playoffs? Yes. Like Georgia goes in still. Yeah. And then Texas, if they crush Oklahoma State, which, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happened. Uh, and then. They have to choose between Texas and Alabama, two conference go, winners in the head-to-head. Texas won in Tuscaloosa, right? So, right. I mean, that, no, you're, 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 I'm sure you're exactly right there. I just hope a scenario plays out where Texas doesn't get in, just because I'd love to see that heartbreak. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. I know we probably got to wrap it up here. I'm not going to sit in here and try to do more math and figure. Who it out Who you my, got? Just pick well, four teams. I, well, because I, I, I've already made my. I, I didn't write them down. He just doesn't just, want to say Texas. Yeah. That's all. It is. Uh, well, you know, I won't say it. I'll, I'll say mine: Georgia, Washington, Michigan, Florida State. All four. Florida State. Under, all four undefeated teams. Yeah. And that way, That'd that way awesome. you have the best teams play. That, and that w- that's the way it ought to work, and hopefully it does. But I, I have a feeling there will be at least something is going to happen yeah. that's unexpected. And that's yeah. why I think that Alabama-Georgia could be the, be one that's uh, the, the unexpected one there. I don't know. We'll see. Well, thanks for uh, checking out the show today. Thank you to Bubba's 33 for having us out here. Uh, we enjoyed being out on the patio today. Nice day for that. And uh, everybody go have a nice weekend watching college football. This has been the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame from Bubba's 33 on Rock 101.1.
This has been a presentation of Rock 101.1 Sports and Alpha Media USA.